The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the host, other guests, or any affiliated entities. Each participant is responsible for their own statements and opinions. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Hola, me and Chada. Welcome to another edition of Hot Trust Low Context, episode 14, Columny, Detraction, and Murmuring. I'm your host, El Chaco, and once again, I've got with me tonight my good buddy, a flawed man of God indeed, Mr. Stuart Davis. Welcome back, buddy. How are you? How's it going, sir? I'm good, man. I'm good. My internet is working tonight. Um, I don't, for anybody who's watching on his stream, uh, the last time I came, tried to come on your show, technical difficulties were the story of the evening, and we weren't able to really get into the topic that we were going into. We were talking about the Catholic Church and the, uh, and the Synod on Synodality and trying to get into that, which I I think has pretty much wrapped up now, although we're still sort of hearing a little bit about what happened uh, during that uh, during that whole thing. But yeah, I wanted to have you on today because, um, well, in our you know in our our our, our backstory in our in our other our past lives, uh, you know something has come up in the last little bit, and uh, somebody has uh, dropped something that uh, included our names on a list that. Uh, I won't give the dignity to, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where some, it was two people that were infighting and spreading gossip and rumors about one another. And, you know, I got to thinking about this as a subject about how destructive gossip can be and, uh, in particular, different types of gossip. So I, I, I titled this one with some terms that you asked me to define for you earlier, um, which are calumny, detraction, and murmuring. Um, so calumny is when you spread a, like a bald-faced lie, when you are telling total lies about somebody with the intention of ruining their good name, with the intention of trying to get them canceled, taken off of, off of uh, you know, good lists and all that kind of stuff. And it truly involves lying. That's the key portion of calumny is lying. Detraction is a little bit different. Detraction is when you're telling truthful things about somebody, but you're doing so in a needless, harmful way. So, for example, when, when somebody poisons the well against somebody else, you know, when they're telling other people's secrets, other people's things that they don't want to have out and that you're specifically putting it out there to detract from that person's reputation. And then murmuring, murmuring is, is talking about other people's dirty laundry. So it's, you know, otherwise it's otherwise known as backbiting. And it's where you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, it's like you're sitting at the, you're, you're sitting with your wife and you go, Oh, 
did you hear about so-and-so? Oh yeah. Yeah. I heard he lost his job. Yeah. Oh, that's really hard. And and you get into it. Oh, well, I, I could see why he, that he, he lost his job. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a drinking problem. Oh, he's got, you know, you get into the, you know, the, 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 the total digging on somebody's backstory to try to, you know, just talk about how it's just talking crap but, but about somebody behind their back. And it can be quite the destructive force. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's as tale as old as time. So, so given the fact that you and I are both uh, men of faith, I like to bring up the first instance of calumny, which was in Genesis. And it was the serpent to, to Eve telling Eve calumny like lies about why God didn't want her to eat the fruit of the, the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And so he, you know, he, he said, it. he doesn't want you to become like him. He doesn't want to, you know, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't want to want you to become a God like him. And so it was calumny right from the start. And so Stu, I know for a fact that this is something that has been something that totally can destroy different communities and especially in different churches. Like we had a, we had a guest on a few episodes ago. I think it was episode 10 uh, where we had an ex satanic wizard uh, named Zachary King who came on and he didn't tell this story during his uh, testimony on here. I'll get him to tell it in a future episode, but Zachary used to actually go into specifically Baptist churches and use calumny or use detraction to split the churches up. So what he would do is he would come in, he'd be a stranger. People always want to be welcoming, letting him in. And then what he would do is he would find out, you know, like who runs the different committees, you know, cause that's, a, that's a, that's a big thing in a lot of churches, right. Is like, who does, who does the different committees, who buys the, the robes and gowns for the choir, who buys the new flowers, who buys the new candles. And so what he would do is he would kind of find out and then he would go out for lunch with one person and then they would say something, ask questions about the other people. Then you find out just a little nugget, just a little nugget of truth or something. And then what he would do is he would go and talk to that other person, put a spin on it. And then, and like, what he would do is he would capture one of the kind of the idiosyncrasies of the person that told him the information, you know, something that they would use to punctuate a sentence like, you know, but, but what do I know? Or, or so it goes, or, or uh, uh, you didn't hear that from me. And then what he would do is he would put a spin on it, tell it to the other person, and then he would create infighting between them. And it was very effective. He, he, he was able to rip apart several churches during his time as a Satanist doing that. Have you seen these kind of things in the community where people kind of attack one another in the, with these ter- types of forms of, of detraction, gossip, and those kind of things? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because you, you cite calumny as with the serpent talking to Eve and convincing her to eat of the fruit. And that I tell people this, he continue to, continues to do that to this day because it works so well. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. look, all you need to do is look at some of the disagreements between modernistic Christians who want to, you know, modernize and kind of change the traditional understanding of what scripture says with traditionalists like myself or you mm-hmm. in the sense that you know we've been practicing it for a long time and there's a long there's a lot of there's a lot of understanding of 
how it's been, what it was like, and it doesn't need to change just because cultural pressures are in play. But we we see that. What did the what did the serpent say to Eve? God said he didn't want you to eat of the fruit, but did he really mean it like that? <laughs> do, you, do you think that that was what, what he really meant? And that's what we see now a lot of times. And if this is this is not specific to any denomination you'll find this in the catholic church you'll find it with the baptists you'll find it with uh with the presbyterians etc you know somebody comes well i think my personal interpretation of scripture and it says this and it's something kind of outlandish or maybe wildly outlandish and it's the big thing with why was sodom destroyed well it was really because they weren't uh, the people of sodom were not very <laughs> hospitable yeah. That's a that's a big one. Or the woman at the well was the first evangelist. I mean, you you see this stuff and it twists it into, you know, something else. And again, I I say tell say that because or Paul talking about women not 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 supposed not supposed to preach mm-hmm. or lead a church or lead at all in you know, you see that he's pretty clear about that one. Who he's, want he's pretty it to clear change. about that one. You yeah. go into you go into your studies wanting it to change, and you said, "Okay, now I've read it. Now, how can I interpret it so it says what I want it to say?" And that's really where the danger lies. When you go into scripture, you have to go with the understanding of maybe I'm wrong. And I've some said this part on my on my show is there are things that I believe in politically that may. Or may not align, and I have to be ready to put aside my personal beliefs for what, what if I if I'm confronted with the fact that they don't align with Christian with with what God wants me to support, and that one's been going on forever. I think even that's kind of part of the reason why there's so many denominations. I mean, it, one of the things that you and I have had a really much better history of is clearing up the garbage. You know, going back and forth and finding out what the differences is, because one group will say about the other group, they do this, they do that. And then, you know, if you don't have the full understanding, it's you're you're taking part in the colony. So, for example, I've clarified with you about things like sola scriptura or sola fide and trying to figure out or, or even the once saved, always saved thing trying to figure out because like our interpretation based on what we see or what we what we gather it needs to be properly handled because the thing is is that if we don't we're going off of our interpretation wanting to prove we're right they're wrong do you know what i mean like it, it it comes in with that that understanding so i've seen a lot of times where people post things about catholicism and i read it and i go that is 100% incorrect. That is not what we believe. That is not what we do. And the the thing is, is it just, it, it festers, right? So it, it festers. So you can get something wrong about each other, but colony has been around, like I said, like since Genesis, but like even there's other examples in the Bible of calumny. I mean, we've got Jezebel setting up that guy so that she could get the the wine, get the garden space. (laughs) Yeah. The vineyard we got uh, in the book of Daniel, We've got uh, what's her name? Is it Susanna or? Um, um oh, I don't know, Daniel. I was thinking Potiphar's wife and Joseph. Where for Joseph in Genesis? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, the one in Daniel was the one where the gal goes and she's she privately goes and bathes in the in the private garden and the two guys hung around so they could stay in it and then they basically blackmailed her and said if you don't you know put out with us right now we're gonna just you know tell everybody you did and then uh and then i think it was kind of the first example of the prisoner's dilemma because daniel took split them both up and said okay you said you saw her under which tree and they both said different trees and so they got caught in their lie and that's the thing about these things is that these kind of lies they require a lot of energy to keep up. They require a lot of defense, a lot of, you know, like patchwork. So, so, you know, it's like somebody tells a lie and you go, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense uh, because of the other thing. So they have to come up with new lies to patch over the lie, the initial lie so that it can keep going. Otherwise it's going to fall apart. And that's the, that's the thing about if you can find a way to live in truth, you don't have that problem. Right. Like you just don't have that problem if you make a concerted effort to stop lying, to stop being a liar. And then if you do that for a long enough period of time, people catch on. Right. They get to know like, I mean, your reputation is is very important. A, a reputation can be very important, not not in the terms of like trying to gain the esteem of other people all the time. But it's just a matter of like. Are you or are you not a reliable witness? Are you or are you not a trustworthy person? And if you can live your life in a way that you are constantly telling the truth, like even when it hurts, even when it hurts, if you just are always a truthful person, I mean, and I don't mean like the kind of person who has to be 100% direct right between the eyes, like carelessly, just like, just, you know, spewing at people, but I mean, more along the lines of like, if you, if if you can get to the point where people start, they hear a rumor about you that they immediately become skeptical and suspicious because like, hang on, that doesn't fit with the narrative. That doesn't fit with the type of personality that we're talking about. And so there's a few of these stories right now in the news. Um, like there is a very large Catholic media company called Church Militant, which just lost uh, its its founder and the head of it. And he was asked to resign because he failed the company's kind of morality clause. And if anybody's done any, done any digging on the guy, you know, okay, yeah, he comes from a bit of a background and he has a little bit of, he, he has some demons, he has some challenges, but leave it there. Leave it there. Once it's a, a thing like that, it's, it's an internal matter. Leave it there. It's done. They'll deal with it on their end. Now, where there's a the line becomes a little blurry is when you have to know this information to help you make a decision on something. So when I was talking about detraction or murmuring, sometimes you got to know a little bit of the background of the people that you're dealing with. You know, if you're going to go start a business with somebody, and you find out that that person has, you know, run like 10 other companies into the ground with like negligence. Well, you need to know that. Or I, I, I remember I was learning a bit about, you know, a bit about um, social behaviors. And part of the reason why women tend to gossip more than men. And there's a physiological, biological component to that. 
So, for example, back in the you know times where you know without internet, without phones, without all those kind of things, you live in a, a community, and you you have like the show's called High Trust, Low Context. So, in these communities, in order to build trust, you are tasked with finding your partner. It's not it's not like other um, cultures that have like arranged marriages. You have to find your partner. And in those days, like divorce was not common, very uncommon. You got to know before you get hitched, is this guy worthwhile or not? And so the women would actually gossip a lot. And that was almost a form of self-defense. So, if you know, like, uh, I don't know if you should marry that guy. I heard he's a real drunk. I heard, you know, I heard he came from that other village and he got run out of that other village. These are, this is kind of important information now, as long as it's true. But if it's not true, then it, it, it goes into calumny and you're, you're sinning greatly. But there's a reason why we do this. There's a reason why we do this. I mean, we're, we're fascinated by this stuff. Celebrity gossip is one of the top clickbait articles out there. This is the way you get traffic. We know about all of our celebrities. We know that who, who cheated on who with who. I mean, it goes from celebrities to politicians. It almost is, has a numbing effect. I mean, for example, like going back to uh, Bill Clinton and his impeachment. And the question there was, did he lie under oath? Right. So that was that was the thing that was being brought up. Did he lie under oath? Now, was it important? Well, you don't want a president that lies under oath. I think that goes without saying. But what it did is it desensitized everybody. And you get to that point where all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at the different politicians around the world. And you're looking at, you know, like you got King Charles who had his his uh, infidelities with Camilla. You have. How many marriages, uh, like when they were bringing up Donald Trump's infidelities, that was a big, you know, two. And what was ironic about that was that it was the the left that was pointing out that it was a big deal. The same left that was saying it wasn't a big deal when it was under Bill Clinton. And then you had the right doing the opposite flip and, you know, acting as if it wasn't a big deal. Uh, do you see that a lot? Do you see like, I mean, like the, why people are kind of attracted to these kind of juicy stories or, I mean, specifically with Bill Clinton or when we're talking about like Bill Clinton and what was going on then, that was a big part of men's gossip, which is political. And we, we, we find ourselves getting invested in political issues, political, political ideology and, you know, you know, what is the other side doing that's wrong? What is the other side doing that's wrong? Or even what's going on within our own political ideology or party or platform or whatever. The problem I had most with Clinton, and this, this should have been the, re- the real red flag with Clinton, was not what he did, but the fact that so many people didn't care. So many of the actual people just didn't care. Uh, just didn't care what what he did. And it was easy to do it because... Things were going going pretty well. The economy was going on was was going well. The the internet was was taking off because of Al Gore, of course. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> other he things, but yeah. you know, it, it was it was not a bad time. And you know what, a lot of people don't stop and say is, you know, if a, if a man is willing to be disloyal 
and break oaths to God or to his mar- marriage to a wife who's supposed to be the person you are closest with. What does that mean for the rest of the people? But I think that as a society, we had become desensitized to sex and infidelity and and deceit and everything. Even at that time in the 90s, it just didn't matter. It just didn't matter. And, you know, that clearly is it's not. An, and that's why it didn't land with Donald Trump either all that much, because they don't care. People don't care. And, and everybody's kind of wised up to the fact that politicians are sleazy. Politicians are going to are, uh, you know, usually have low moral. <laughs> uh, very, very low trust, <laughs> very low trust yeah. in politicians, except for when it's their politician, it's their guy. And then, you know, if it's well, inconvenient, it gets, then you just ignore it. It gets hazy, it gets difficult. I mean, I don't think there was really that kind of a scandal in the White House. There was a probably like a 30 year period, maybe, th- maybe more than that, close to 35. Big period since Kennedy. JFK. Yeah, Kennedy yeah. was big. Um, and then Nixon with uh, Watergate. Yes. That got, yes. that was very legal more than anything else. But, and then you had uh, what Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush. Um, not, not, not a, not a string of well known cheaters. Well, I mean, like yeah, Iran Contra was big. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't seem to be like hit like that. But that was, to me, the, the Clinton was very gossipy. That was a very gossipy yes. time. And it's, and this is one of, I'll be upfront. This is something that I think all of us struggle with. I know I particularly struggle with it. It is easy to fall into gossip. Absolutely. And it, and it is a destructive thing. It can make you uh, think less and less and less of somebody instead of pausing and trying to reach out and make amends or, you know, mend fences, stuff like that. But it can just kind of fester with you and folks that you're talking with. It, it was, well, you start to hunt for it, you know, like it's like, oh, well, they did this. Well, what else did they do? You know, what else did they do? Let's go. It was something my gig. mom actually on my wedding day, my mom took me and my wife aside and she said, hey, if you guys have had issues, don't take it to your families. You get it because it's all you're going to do is get. <clears throat> other people involved that are going to automatically side with you and automatically make the other person out to be the bad guy. And then people get involved and then, or other people get involved when really it's something that you two need to work out for yourselves. And yeah, the Bible gives us instructions on that actually. And that is to, uh, to, to take it, take it up with the person directly. And if that doesn't work, then to take it to the church and go, you know, or to your spiritual advisor or somebody that, but it doesn't say go tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your aunt and uncle and all that kind of stuff. Because the thing is, those things spread. They spread so fast. And, you know, the, 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 there's that old saying, like a lie, uh, a lie uh, gets all the way around the world before the truth has time to tie up its shoes. Yeah. And we see this a lot. And, and, and the thing is, is, again, like I think for some people, it's a form of escapism where it's like somebody else's problem kind of masks their own problems so they can talk about other people's dirty laundry. And then it somewhat makes their life a little bit more. Okay. (laughs) So it is. And uh, I think, I think that that's what you really see kind of in, in my opinion on the, uh, on the women's side, it's a, it's kind of with celebrity gossip with, you know, reality, reality TV, 
with everything going on in their own circles, it is to somewhat of a form of escapism. And it was funny because right before you said that, my buddy, uh, my buddy Chad had commented and said, it, you, same thing. It's just, you know, and sometimes it's a distraction. Sometimes it's, it's pointed and sometimes it's just escapism. And it was something gives people something to do when they don't have other more pressing, more worrying things going on. There's another form of it. I mean, I think, you know, columny can be a personal one-on-one, but it can also be like against a whole group of people. And, and it can be really frustrating because, you know, it uses a lot of straw man tactics. It uses a lot of uh, different foul play. Um, one of the things that I've seen lying is and the implying. media. Well, yeah, lying and implying. <laughs> exactly. You know, selective editing. The what is they, they say uh, lies by omission. You know, I, for example, my I had a, a priest back in Calgary who gave a um, very well thought out, well written, well constructed homily on the origins of the rainbow flag, the rainbow pride flag. And he laid it all out. He said why it doesn't why it doesn't jive with the Catholic Church, why it doesn't, you know, what, who were the people behind it? What was it meant for? What was it doing? And he finished it off by saying that the only person powerful enough to see where that was all going to go was the devil himself. And so they had that whole homily on the church website for months, no problem. But somebody was offended, went to the news. They cropped out that last line, didn't show any of the stuff that he did, smeared him so bad that he got demoted and basically buried in the church, even though he was doing everything, the, you know, doing everything that was orthodox. He was doing it the way we teach and it was it was pretty disgusting to see it all go down because the lady who did the video editing at our church was an ex-employee of the cbc and it was the cbc that smeared it and i talked to her afterwards and i said you saw what they put out you know what they did and she knows and they she says they do it all the time. They oh, yeah. do this all the time. You know, the, you, you get interviewed on the street. I've had this a few times when I was living in Vancouver, when I was living in Edmonton, you get interviewed on the street, you give them a whole, you answer a bunch of their questions and then you should go and you tell your friends, Hey, I'm going to be on the news tonight. And then it comes on and they crop out like three words of what you said. It's super evil. <laughs> it's oh, really and, evil. And it's not, yeah, it's super evil, but it's, that's an industrial or that's an industry issue in there it is. because I mean, I remember when my dad was a politician and he would write into, you know, leave comments and the new local news, this is just County politics mm-hmm. and the local paper would take stuff out of context based on, you know, what side they were trying to get off. And I remember, I remember how, how irritated he would get about it, but we've reached a point now where it doesn't even matter. We'll make our, we'll, we'll draw our own conclusions. We'll make our own assumptions whether or not we read about it or anything. And the funny thing is, I think it was the last time we were talking about this, 
or I was on your show, Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty, right. very popular, uh, yeah. very popular show. Still have yet to watch it. Annie, uh, when it, it, somebody did an interview of Phil Robertson. Yep. Um, and he's and you know they, it was Variety or somebody, and they said, you know, you're very religious and or, or and whatnot, deep in your faith. What what do you have to say about homosexuality? And he said, hey, you know, he acknowledged it's a sin, but hey, we're all sinners, right? But they. That's they put it out there and they knew what they were going to get just throwing that bait out there. They could throw they threw the whole quote out there, but they knew what mm-hmm. everybody was going to latch on to. They knew what their well, audience was going to to pick out. They, and so they can craft a headline. They can do all kinds of stuff. They could put was, a, a damning image of the person up or or something that's unflattering. When I had uh, uh, Nick Riccata on, we talked about that, uh, you know, that sixth day of the year in 2021 (laughs) and i watched it i watched it online i watched it live i was watching all types of feeds i had all my monitors i had windows open all over the place i was i was totally like that day just was a write-off because it was just one of those okay this is an this is an important day you know take take a mental note and I was watching it and there's a video of like people just walking between the like velvet ropes and being super, you know, totally cool about it. And then like the next day and I'm seeing how the news covered it. And I was like, okay, wait, in order to construct this story, this article, you had to have been watching what I was watching. So you purposely withheld information. You purposely misrepresented these people and there's actually people who are still in prison to this day who just wandered in. I'm not saying all of them did. I'm saying there were plenty of them that wandered in and are now in prison because it serves a narrative. And the same thing that we had to struggle with through Me, me Too. And it has made everybody more cautious as a result. You know, the whole reason, um, if you recall, like Mike Pence would never have a um meeting with a woman without right. another it's pretty base actually female, something mean, like that taking precautions like that so that you've always got that to fall back on because there are people who will be deceitful and some of us who see the best in in people especially young people i think of my you know i think of my son he's 10 right mm-hmm. so you know he's he's at he's super naive <clears throat> but he thinks the best he thinks you know everybody has got his best interests in mind and it's difficult trying to break that to him and trying to under, get him to understand, especially growing up around the Internet. Oh, but yeah, that's not. The He's case. got it out for him, man. Like, it's going to only get worse. It it's is. Only, only it's, get it's only getting worse because, you know, you, bad actors aren't localized anymore. You can travel wherever you want to through the through the Internet. So, yeah, the Internet is, has put the nitrous, you know, the, the nitro boosters onto lies more than any other technology has ever done before. And so we see it on like Twitter, people using bots to fake a consensus. So they'll just like, you know, you'll have these bots that will just put all types of lies out there. And then when you see so many of them, you go, oh, it must be true. It's been talked about like a thousand times. It's trending. It's doing all this kind of stuff. Then you've also got, now we've got added in the AI we got deep fakes. We got the ability to replicate people's voices. We've got the ability to replicate people in video form. 
it's only a matter of time before pretty much if they wanted to take you down, they don't even have to meet you in person. They just don't. They can fabricate whatever they want to happen to you. We're looking at the the trial, you know, the one that we get no information about, about Ghislaine Maxwell. We don't get to know her list. We don't get to know who, who the people were that were going to that island. But it's almost like that island should be out of business now. They don't even need it anymore because they don't need to get the, the, that blackmail material. They just can fabricate it. They can just make it. We saw that to drum up the fear for the lockdowns. We saw a video in Italy with mannequins in the hospital beds. We saw people using video game footage as war footage. Yeah. We've seen, <laughs> we've seen gun shooting range, like shooting ranges doing a fireworks show being used as war footage. The problem with this is, is that if everybody's lying, that it becomes really hard to spot truth anymore. Maybe that will drive people to unplug a little bit. I don't know. I don't know where this is going to end because it's, but it's very funny because deception caused the fall of man. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't, murder didn't happen until after the fall. Right. Unfaithfulness, the stealing, false idols, all that stuff. None of that happened till after the fall. The fall was driven by deceit and and playing to people's pride. But, yeah. But Satan used that to destroy mm-hmm. us, and it worked. And it, it worked. worked very well. Lots of souls and in hell because of that. We are sitting here looking at the a, a potential, you know, nuclear bomb to society. <laughs> and social interactions because of deception, because of untruth, because of false witness. It's it's interesting to think, but hopefully what this the what people will learn out of this is to start disconnecting from places you you can't deep fake what you see right in front of you until you know Elon gets all of his computer chips embedded in everybody. Yeah. But well they don't even need think, that now. They can probably just, they're going to get to the point where they're going to be able to read minds from like your Wi-Fi router. It's going to be terrible but, for our YouTube channels. Totally. <laughs> they, they will, the, this, this YouTube channel will be nuked way before yeah. that. But somebody, I mean, look, somebody could come on and, you know, if, if somebody, if, if whoever, ex bad actor, if I had any value that people, that somebody thought was a threat or useful to co-opt in whatever way, hack my, hack my channel. And start deep faking me saying something. Yep. Or you. (laughs) Like I said, the the end result means, you know, walking away from what is where you can't trust and going back to where you can. What you see with your own eyes right in front of you, not through a TV screen, not through a phone or whatever. Maybe going back to when a handshake meant a handshake. You know, I'm not well, trying to be the curmudgeon about this, you know, the the old the old man, but you know, that I was think, I mean, this goes back to the whole title behind your your show, High Trust and Low Context. Well, I, I think what's gonna end up probably happening, you say about people unplugging. I think people are going to be unplugged. And I don't think that a lot of people are gonna have a like it'll be a choice. So we see a lot, for example, right now, a lot of talk about CBDCs, central bank digital currencies. 
We see things about digital ID. When I talk to you about deepfakes and stuff like that, it's also being talked about by heads of state, you know, because at some point in time, one of them is going to get caught in their things and they're just going to play off. No, that was a deepfake. No, that was AI. No, that was fake news. I was hacked. And there will be a day where you will need to biometrically scan yourself just to have access to the internet, just to have access to your money. And otherwise they can turn it off. What's that? They'll they'll find a way to get around that. Oh, yeah. But you're going to have that choice. You're going to have that choice. Do I stay plugged in or do I allow myself to be unplugged? And I think it's going to be hard for a lot of people. I mean, even the people who have good hearts and are good people and aren't addicted to all the gossip stuff. They want to be tied in. They don't want to be ostracized. It's being ostracized is hard. It's very hard. You know, you have to reinvent yourself. You have to reinvent your whole social circle. And I had my issues in the past where, you know, I had show, I had a show before I did some stuff. I said some stuff. I wasn't, I I'm not, I'm not an innocent bystander here. I've brought it upon myself in the past where I've been involved with the gossip between different parties and then ended up being one of the, one of the friendly fires in between. And in, in, in the process, it caused me to definitely take a step back and unplug and get away from the internet. I'm back on it now, but there, I took a long period of time away from all of it because it didn't, it wasn't worth it. And I, and, and it's weird because, you know, my, my name still comes up in some of those groups. There's a website called Kiwi Farms. Are you familiar with Kiwi Farms? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on Kiwi Farms, there's th- whole threads about the two people we were talking about at the beginning of the show that were fighting with one another. Mm-hmm. And because I was, you know, involved for a very brief period of time at the beginning of the drama, not maybe not the beginning of the drama, but when it was really starting to heat up, my name shows up in that thing in these threads over and over again. And it's really funny to me because I will see things in there where people will say, you know, like uh, Chaco was right about this and this and this and this. And then like, oh, and he provided the receipts and did this and this and this. And I'm thinking to myself, I provided some receipts to some people that were close to me, but I didn't widely spread anything. So anybody saying that they've seen this or seen that is not telling the truth (laughs) because I didn't share that. I, I, you know, I didn't, it's, it's interesting to me because that's the way these things can kind of float out there. And site is a gossip site to begin with. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, or, you know, since we've got a lot of Ricada fans who I think tune in, the best one of the best examples of that is LawTube, right? We see what, you know, we see the kind of emergence of it with the Rittenhouse trial, with, mm-hmm. you know, Nick's kind of leading the charge on this and he's bringing he the had on Rittenhouse on the other day. Congrats it, it, to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he brings on these different lawyers. It's, it's gaining a lot of steam. It's very popular. It's very lucrative. Right. Yeah. And these folks find commonality and common ground. And so they so they kind of group together. And Nick kind of says, tries to pump the brakes on this and be like, hey guys, uh, I'm not really into this. I don't I'm not I'm not trying to form a group. I'm not trying to have a 
uh, a, a title and a name or everything because when when you start to do that when you start to in, you know start creating this group, you invite you to exclude you start to get out and fight yeah. every single thing he said would happen could happen did happen and well he's a he's a pretty astute fella you know i mean <laughs> look our group had a bit of yep. that happen as well i mean it just it it, it exists it exists well, and <laughs> we want to hold each other to a nice standard. We do. We we do want to hold iron sharpens iron, you know, and you don't want your friends to to go off. You don't want them to start, you know, you don't want your friends to 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 go on a bender of of lies and deception or lying and implying. At the end of the day, nobody wants to be the bad guy. You know, like unless you're a total sociopath. There's a deep down human thing where we want to be told the truth. You were bringing up about your son. We want to, we want to live in an honest world. We want to live in a high trust society. Living in a low, low, low trust society kind of sucks because you can't trust your neighbor and you can't trust your friends and you can't trust your coworkers and everybody's there to screw one another and everybody's there to steal and cheat and lie. And it drags everybody down. It makes people more fake and or draw inward. So you either start to pull away from interacting with other people, which is not not what we we should be doing. I mean, we want to be we want to separate ourselves from the world and worldly worldliness, but not to the point where we can't reach out to people. And or we're like you said, very superficial. We put on masks. We you know, pretend to be people we're not because we're worried about what we saying the wrong thing, expressing a wrong opinion, may you know, just repeating something. You don't know what's going to happen. Going back to just truth versus lies. Jesus Christ was pretty clear about it. He did not like liars. He, he, he was pretty, pretty, uh, he still is pretty strong against liars. And when he was calling out the Pharisees, he called them, he called them liars. He said, you, you are of your father of lies. You're, you are like your father, the father of lies, Satan. And it is true. Once you go down that road, once you start lying about little things, once you start lying about the little things, it makes it that much easier to lie about medium things. And then they get more comfortable with lying about big things. And there's times where I'm watching like a lot of these politicians and I'm thinking to myself, like, how do they live with themselves? How do they live with the lies that they're telling? How do they live with themselves? It's a means to My, the end, to an end. It's it's a survival mechanism for them, you know. But the weird thing is, is that they can't stop it. You know, like a real easy way to not have to lie is to not be like a shitty person, just to not create those kind of things that you need to cover up for. And 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 a person who does a lot of those things is lying to themselves. In a lot of ways, they're lying to themselves like this isn't so bad. You know, it's like that whole thing about like, well, everybody puts themselves in that position of being that poor beggar that needs to steal a loaf of bread just to survive for his family. And then everything becomes that loaf of bread. Everything becomes that loaf of bread. You know, oh, I'm I'm pirating these shows off the off of the Internet, you know, because I can't afford to pay the service fee. I'm pirating the show. I mean, you know, like I, I can't do it's like, well, do you really need to though? Like, do you really is that okay? Okay, I'm I'm pirating off of this thing. Then then what? 
Then you get these grifters that go out there and they promise the world. And like, for example, like I'm in Paraguay and I was offered a job to come down here in 2012. I came down here to meet the guy. It was a, it was, it was a, a, a famous libertarian who offered me the job. And then I came down here to meet with his business partner at the time. And that business partner at the time stood me up. I flew all the way down to Paraguay and I got stood up. And the guy was gone because he went to Chile to start a real estate deal for libertarians. And like because the other guy was the face and was really, you know, building it up. Like we're going to have our own little libertarian paradise. They called it Galt's Gulch. And, and this, this other guy duped so many people and just pocketed it and ran. The whole thing didn't have the right, it didn't have the right uh, uh, legal paperwork. It was a total mirage. And I, I, and go ahead. There's a joke there somewhere about it, a commune for libertarians. I know. Right. <laughs> I know, but it's just like, I've talked about it on the other show about sociopaths, professional liars, but sociopaths, psychopaths, and narcissists are things we should be teaching our children how to look out for. We really should be teaching our children how to spot a sociopath, a psychopath, and a narcissist, because those types of personalities are so incredibly dangerous. They are so incredibly dangerous because they prey upon good, honest people. And then when they do so, they do so with no columns. They have no problem with it. And it is, it is a defect. It is a defect. You either have to create a sociopath or the, like they, or they're a product of sociopaths. I don't, I don't know. I just, like, I don't know. I can't put my, my, it's difficult for me to put myself in a way to kind of relate to folks who act in that, in that manner. It's why I'm, I'm so distrustful of politicians because I've been around a lot of them. I can't figure out why they do say, and the things that they do, it's, it's, it's anathema to me to a, to a degree. And it's like, to me, it's how do you get there? How, how do you get to that place? And I don't, I don't understand it. And so I'm incredibly distrustful of it. Well, the only ones that get to that point that you even know their name have been vetted and they're selected based on these types of qualities. So they are actually put into those places. Now, you said your dad was in politics before at a county level, but there's a reason why it wasn't at a state level. There's a reason why it wasn't at a federal level. Oh, yeah. Because your dad had like... On, he had an honest, he had an honesty. He, he had integrity. You have to sell that out to get to that point. You, you really do. I used to always hate, I hate elections and I hate attack ads. I hate attack ads, pro, like propaganda attack ads, because it's just designed to evoke an emotion and it gets under your skin. And generally speaking, they take things out of context and they morph it into something else that the person did not say. And it can get, it, it's tiresome. It's tiresome and it's effective. That's the other problem. It is incredibly effective. 
And so if you've got an army behind you that can pay influencers to say a certain thing, we're watching the world unfold right before our eyes right now. You know, I saw claims of burned babies in, uh, you know, in October. And I, uh, it, it harkened back to the nineties when there was, you know, the, the, the lady tell, crying tears in front of the UN talking about incubators being spilled over onto the floor in Kuwait. And then it turned out the lady was an actress and the whole thing was a complete lie. And, and, and if you think about that lie, how many soldiers went there and died because of that? How many people were bombed because of those lies? And we're, we're talking about the, the real gravity of these, of these colonies is, is there is definitely a loser in it that, you know, the, the, the initial liar is going to lose in the end. But the people in between that suffer because of those things is enormous. It's, it's such an enormous toll. So, so propaganda, really, mm-hmm. in essence, uh, falls into any of the three categories there however it works and that's that's one of the things when when the news starts to report about things you start to take it with a grain of salt you know when i was when i was in iraq we had a washington post reporter who kind of got it came into our um came into our unit um towards the end and he was clearly only looking for uh what he thought would be good copy and you know the what he wrote afterwards um it didn't to me i didn't i didn't approve of what what was what was written and so i whenever stuff comes out like you know so and so side did this so and so side that side did that whether it's um russia ukraine whether it's um palestine and israel whether it's whatever the hot topic is you understand there's there's probably some there there's probably truth and there's probably deceit in there as well. It's whatever's going to make that side look better, and the and the bad guys look worse. So again, it's difficult to it's difficult to take a lot of stuff seriously anymore. Like I take take it seriously that stuff is happening, but I can't take what I hear seriously. I find that interesting. I I I I I. I apologize for forgetting that you served in Iraq and that you would have seen on the ground the reality of it. And then you come back home and see how it's depicted. Very different. Correct. Very oh, different. Again, it depends on where you stand on the political spectrum on what, how, how you view that war. And it's something that has, you know, that, that experience has been something that is, it's been so, it's been interesting for me to kind of, see how it plays through in my mind the diff that the older i get uh the more i see um the more i see the world change and the more the wiser i guess i get how my opinion of should i've been there did the things that i do were the things that i do justified did i do anything wrong was i just you know just a pawn just like anybody else who was there for any other reason it's it's an interesting perspective and I understand why people have such a has such a difficult time adjusting. It's not like world war two vets 
or maybe even Korean War vets where the other side was so heinous by the way that we just view them all together on all sides. The weird part is, is the Germans or German side saw us as heinous too. Yeah. And so their, their people are told what they're told and we're told what we're told. And the internet is incentivizing lying. It is incentivizing lying. I mean, you try to share a true story uh, in the election, the last election, you try to share a true story and you're getting blocked on Twitter and Facebook from doing so. And then it comes out later that it was true, but it's too late. And then, you know, for example, um, my other show, Here's What I Don't Get, we just had an episode censored, like taken off offline. And in that episode, I was citing real statistics, real facts about the lockdowns and things that happened in and after. Provable can bring you the receipts. Doesn't matter. No appeal. It's a strike. It's gone. And so what is ending up happening now is this, there's this funnel and it excludes the truth. In a lot of ways, you can't speak about the truth in a lot of ways without getting penalized for it. And so when it go- comes back to calumny, I brought it up before, like in Calgary, when there was an anti-lockdown protest, peaceful protest, the mayor of Calgary at the time said that the, the protests are a thinly veiled white supremacist rally. Now, I had friends from my church who are clearly not white who were at that rally supporting it with more of their friends and family who are clearly not white who are on the same side as us protesting the lockdowns. But the mayor said that it was a thinly veiled white supremacist rally. When he was asked to clarify it the next day, he said, yeah, I have to correct myself. I shouldn't have said thinly veiled. So he doubled down. You just got to push the button. Just push the button. So what yeah. what your side wants to hear? What is going to what what will make the other side look evil? Godwin's law in a way, right? Yeah, so and so is a Nazi. So and so is a Nazi. Eventually. I have on my roster of guests, I have a very controversial guest uh, in one of my episodes. I know that's going to come back to bite me in the butt down the road. I know that. Did he say anything that was untrue on my episode? No. Did he say anything that was hateful? No. But because of who he is and what he says, it's going to come back and bite me. But I took the risk. (laughs) I took the risk because the show is all about being low contact. I like direct communication. I like to hear the truth. The truth makes us feel good. I like hearing, even if it hurts, it's better to know the truth than to live the lie. And, you know, it's funny because there's a meme out there from the Matrix of, you know, everybody always talks about everybody wants to be like Neo and you call it a red pilling everybody and stuff like that. But there's like another meme of Cypher. Oh, yeah. I know it's what knew you were going to like, I'd take the blue pill. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like. You know, when I was young, I was Neo, but when I got older, I just probably would have gone the way of Cypher and eaten the steak. I just want to grill. 
you know, yeah. the, the grill meme. You know, I just mm-hmm. I just want to sit sit back and grill. And so you've seen a lot of people who you maybe thought more of before bending the knee and living the lie. And I see that in politicians. So, you know, when I assess who's going to get my vote, like it matters, which it doesn't, but I do it anyway, it gets real frustrating because I don't like it when my team lies ever. I don't like it when my guy is a philanderer. I don't like it when anybody in my community betrays honesty, betrays fidelity, betrays the truth. And so, you know, it, and and it gets down to the point where you're like, well, I'm just going to write in John Doe. You know, I'm just going to write in nobody because there is nobody to vote for and you can't wait for anybody to save you from this mess. It's not going to happen. So, so if your team is the Catholic church, (laughs) where do the Jesuits land? (laughs) hashtag not all jesuits (laughs) but let's just put it this way if i go to a church and find out that it's run by a jesuit i'm probably not coming again the next sunday so you know and that is something that that group needs to work on because they they need to rebuild trust. At one point in time, they were actually a really great, useful, effective organization. And somehow they got infiltrated. And that's the other thing. Infiltration. The enemy knows how to get under your skin. The enemy knows how to get you to distrust the people that you should be able to trust. I mean, we call it controlled opposition. We, you know, we've seen this before, you know, you, you, somebody's glowing <laughs> in, in, a, in, a, in a thread. You can smell it once you get over it. But not everybody has that skill to discern the, the truth or, or a liar. Well, it takes a lot of Everybody's a fed. You, you kind of got to, you know. <laughs> but it's funny because the thing is, is that it's that old saying of this is why we can't have nice things. There's a tale about a pope who uh, met a guy who was a convert, and he went to um, he was traveling through Europe and he became a convert. He went to Rome, saw a bunch of bad stuff, and then he came back to the pope and said, I, "You know, I'm a Catholic, but boy, oh boy, there's some real problems in Rome. There's there's some real big problems in Rome, and uh, I can't see how." the church will continue. And the Pope kind of jested and said, you know, it's something along the lines of uh, if all the bad, all the sins that everybody has done in the church hasn't killed it yet, it's never going to die. And we are at a real weird time. We're at a real weird time. I live in a very Catholic country. I live in a country with a Catholic population that's somewhere between 90 and 95% Catholic. Nice. However, I've got chapels all around me. I can go, I can throw a stone and hit a chapel. And those chapels are very often empty. They don't even send a priest. The priest will come for the saint day of that chapel. 
and then otherwise they're at their church. I try to go to confession in the middle of the week. Good luck, pal. Not going to happen. They're not going to hear you. They don't have an office. They're not there. They're not doing their job. They're not doing their job. And it's frustrating because, you know, we have, a, we have an ordination crisis where we don't have enough priests. We're not getting enough priests. We have, and I, I point, there's a lot of problems. The seminaries are weeding out the good and keeping the bad, or at least they were for a long period of time. They're getting better, thankfully. But that, that was a big problem, especially in the 80s, 70s and 80s. We saw a big drop-off, priests leaving the, the priesthood, nuns leaving the, the, the monasteries. But where am I going with this? It's... <sighs> I sent you down this rabbit hole. Now, I, you know, it's, it's funny, though, because the thing is, is that it's not over. It's not over. There's still good in this world. There's still good people in this world. And I think if I'm going to leave on something here, of course, I want to promote honesty. Of course, I want to promote truthfulness and living truthfully, not living a lie, not bending knee, not compromising your values. But we need to teach our kids how to spot this better. Because we weren't always taught how to spot this stuff. When we were told about stranger danger, but we were only told in one place, you know, everybody knows about the Catholic Church's problems um, with abuse crises. We don't talk about the public school system, which has a massive, much higher rate, massive problem with that. In fact, if you were to take it on a per capita basis, the Catholic Church is one of the safest places to put your kids on the planet because it's not just the Catholic Church. It's every denomination. It's every other religion. It's the Boy Scouts. It's hockey teams. It's, it's all over the place. We hear about gymnasts. If your kid wants to get into acting and they want to go out to Hollywood, good luck. But what we need to do is we need to arm our children with discernment, learn how to read people better. Physiognomy is real. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to say it. Physiognomy is real. You can tell a lot about a person. You can tell a lot about a person by their eyes. You can tell a lot of pers about a person by their smile, how they hold themselves, how they present themselves. We should be teaching our kids that, and we shouldn't be holding back on it either. You know, yeah, give people a chance, but I think that there is value in teaching your children how to beware of the bad people out there. Yeah. There are liars out there. Be careful with what you put out there. Be careful about your comments. They might come back and haunt you. Be careful about your social media posts. They might come back and haunt you. I think we need to come back to a more simpler time and get ourselves prepared because the thing is, is that we brought up about the AI, we brought up about selective editing. It's only going to get worse before it gets better. And we are absolutely at this pinnacle, 
period of history where things are happening so fast. You get a brand new breaking news story. You read it. You share it. Did you see this? Did you see that? And then how many days later the correction comes in and nobody shares that one? Heck, most of the mainstream media sites will lock the comments. They'll correct it without you looking. You got to look through the archives. You got to look through the internet wayback machine to, to see a, a version of it. And even then, you still can't convince people about things because memories are short. Memories are real short right now. People are forgetting things that happened last week. Oh, that's why. That's why faith is so important. That's why scripture is so important. You have to have something to fall back on. And ultimately, people are going to have to make their own decisions. Our kids are going to have to make their own decisions. It's our duty and our responsibility to set them up for success in that. But how do, and, you know, since we're, you know, wrapping up kind of the <laughs> path forward, right? How do we deal with this? And I think that, you know, Joseph is an excellent, is an excellent example. Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Mm-hmm. These are folks who so who were persecuted, lied about, and suffered, or or tried to try to be made suffered in uh, in Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, um, <laughs> because the enemy's out there working against us. Absolutely, they they, they are, and it's going to happen. I've told you before when I was having my reversion to to the faith before that i was heavily connected in with political podcasts conspiracy theorist podcasts those kind of things i was always trying to just seek but the thing is is that it wasn't until i found homilies from that same church that i found a good replacement for a lot of those podcasts i would eat it up and there's a funny thing about the truth and it's a funny thing about the gospel is that it is addictive. I find it necessary to read the Bible every single night before I go to bed, just to kind of put my feet on solid ground. And if you, if you can get into it, I mean, I, if, if anybody is watching this right now, either right now or on the replay and hasn't read the Bible in a long time or doesn't own a Bible, go get one, dust it off, and start reading. You don't have to go cover to cover. You don't have to go cover to cover. You can, though, if you tune into my into my can, You can through a flawed <laughs> man of God's show. You can. But you don't have to. You don't have to. I, I always like to start people by saying, okay, you got to just start with the New Testament. Go over the New Testament. When you finish it, do it again. And do it again. Read the Beatitudes. Read... Oh, so good. Read, read, read the letters of Paul. The instructions are there. They're there. They're timeless. They work. They will shape your life. Read Psalms. And, the one, <laughs> and that's the thing that I like. You know, I've, I've said this before. So one of the things that I appreciate about being a Catholic is that I have hundreds over th- almost 2,000 years of people in line with what I believe who've read it, interpreted it, digested it, and can help me understand it. Like, you know, Philip, 
with the eunuch and in the Acts of the Apostles. I always need somebody to help me to know that I'm interpreting it right. Because like you said at the beginning, there's people that come into these things and they want to, to bend it as much as possible. They get very legalistic about it. They get real legalistic about it to try to find a loophole. But the thing is, is that it wasn't written with loopholes because it was yeah. God himself speaking. And God didn't need you to come up with loopholes for him. That's a whole other religion that thinks that way. And so, you know, I think to wrap it up, going back to, to the very start of this whole thing, be aware of calumny. Be aware if you're p- participating in it. Catch yourself. And I, I've found that with my wife and I. Sometimes when we're talking and somebody's name comes up and you go, oh, some, so-and-so did this. Oh, dear. Oh, that's not good. You know, and it's like, you can talk about it if it means you're going to absorb it as a lesson on your own behavior. But if you're doing it in a way just to talk smack about somebody else, what are you doing? It doesn't help you. It doesn't help them. If they have a problem and you think that you might be able to get through to them about it and help them change that problem, then please get on your horse and go do it. But if you're not, you're just wasting time. You're wasting precious time that you have in this short life we're given on other people's dirty laundry. Like it's just, it's a total waste of time. So yeah, man, I think, I think we covered the topic pretty good tonight. I think, I think we hit on some pretty good notes. I'd love to come back on your show in the near future. If you'll have me on and we can uh, discuss all types of different things, but I really appreciate having you on. I told you already you were already my my son's favorite episode, and uh, we we bought Bluey because of you. Uh, so we have Bluey. Uh, <laughs> we have the seasons one and two of Bluey on DVD, and uh, I have yet to get around to the Duck Dynasty, but I will get to that at some point in time. <laughs> but uh, Stu, it's always a pleasure, man. I always Thank I you. always enjoy getting together with you, man. And oh uh, yeah, I was excited when you when you said, "Hey, I want to have you on the show." I, <laughs> I, I live for these kind of these kind of panels. So you know, it'd be great someday. You know, it's it's hard for me to travel from where we're at, but one of these days in the future, somehow, some way, we're gonna find a way to get that get the band back together and find a good place to go that isn't a road rage. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'm being in Richmond. The closest, the the real. If I mean, if you're ever looking for Civil War history, you know that's. That's Richmond's got that in spades. But if you're looking for something a little bit more all encompassing, um, DC's not all that far up, and they've got the Smithsonian's. Uh, that's that's always what I recommend to people. If you're coming from out from out of the country, um, and you haven't been there, you haven't been to the museums. You can nail a bunch of them. The Air and Space Museums is cool, especially for for boys and men who 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 go back into their <laughs> oh yeah jets are everything like me <laughs> we enjoy that natural history museum all that stuff and it's a great you're in dc though so the and <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna have to like you know like the smell of all the sewage coming out of the politicians however <laughs> they, uh, it's a great experience i need to get i actually need to take my kids up there to watch to see it they haven't been up there yet so i need to 
Or we could, you know, the other option is, is we go and we meet on a third party place and we just do an all inclusive resort in Mexico, <laughs> get the families together. <laughs> but I would, you know what, man, actually I'm going down a, a big civil war. See, I'm, I'm Canadian. So like civil war wasn't taught to us very much, but uh, I've been doing a lot more research on it because I'm still picking away at writing a, f a fiction novel set during the civil war. And so, but I've been spending a lot more time on the southern tip of Texas into Mexico with that. But I would love to hear more. I, and I'm going to pick your brain about Richmond uh, some more in the, you know, on the back channels. But in the yeah. meantime, yeah, let's um, let's put a let's put a stamp on this one. I want everybody to know. Um, I, I appreciate everybody who's joining us on uh, Stu's feed and uh, love. Every one of you guys that uh, is supporting the show, um, I'm, as you'll see, I'm wearing uh, the new High Trust Low Context uh, T-shirt uh, that I, I got made. I don't ask for I don't ask for money on this show or anything like that. But if you do buy T-shirts, uh, it does go towards at least uh, slightly reducing my costs. Streamyard's not free. Uh, <laughs> and uh the cer certain other things i mean but it, it is a uh it is a passion it's a it's a love to to get out there and to have these kind of conversations uh especially with people uh as great to talk to you as yourself Stu. so uh thanks again for coming on and uh so this has been another edition of high trust low context thank you for joining us i'm el chaco signing off viva cristo Ray.